continue on in our sermon series, our last sermon in this sermon series called Can You Relate? We've been looking at the life of, of David. David, a very interesting man, very unique man, a man that God used all throughout his life, not a perfect man, a man that failed God and really failed him miserably at times. And um, God redeemed him and forgave him. So it's a beautiful picture to all of us that, that God wants to love us, use us, and even if we fall or falter, we can be restored and we can get back up. The first sermon of this series, we saw David's heart of humility. And we reminded that God doesn't look on the outside, but God looks on the inside. And I ask us this morning, how about your heart? There's an old song that says, how about your heart? Is it right with God? There's another song that says, change my heart, oh God, make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God, may I be more like you. God looks on the heart. And David had a heart of humility. And we remember in that first sermon where Samuel came to anoint the next king. And all of the brothers of, of David, all the sons of Jesse, from the oldest to the youngest, were passed before him. And he said, these are not the ones. Do you have anybody else? And he sent to the field for the little teenager David. And his physical appearance, he was a pretty young man, but he wasn't big and mighty like the older brothers. But he said, he's the one. And God saw the heart of humility that David had. Hum humility is not thinking necessarily less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less often. Humility, it's okay to know who we are and who we are in God and who we are in Christ and to have healthy self-confidence. But it's not okay to become Selfish or exalted in ourselves or putting ourselves before others. Thinking of ourselves less and thinking of God more. And I ask us this morning, do we think of God and his will in our lives more than our own personal plans and agendas? We journeyed on into the next week when we went through a familiar story of David killing Goliath out on the battlefield with his sling and a stone. And we talked more about his brother, though. Normally we focus on all of that, but we talked about Eliab, his oldest brother, and we called it Eliab's ego. Ego, caught up in our own pride and in our own selfishness. Uh, you've heard it said before, he's an egomaniac, or, or she has an ego problem, but the scripture tells us to, to not have an ego issue, but have a healthy, balanced self-esteem. Eliab couldn't get over the fact that his younger brother David had been anointed the next king. And so Eliab was, was jealous and had ego issues and pride issues. And it could have been a totally different narrative, right? If Eliab would have said, I want to support my brother. I see God's hand on his life. I want to come along beside him or behind him. And I want to lift him up because this is his moment. I want to be part of God's plan. But Eliab missed out. When David arrived that day, Eliab looked at him and said, Why are you here not out watching those few sheep? And I know you. I know your insolence of heart. I know your pride. And what Eliab was really doing was he was taking the feelings that Eliab had and he was projecting them on somebody else. And if we aren't careful, we'll do the same thing. We'll have attitude or pride or ego issues ourselves and we'll see someone else doing what is right 
and we'll start falsely accusing them. Oh, they just want attention. Oh, they just want the limelight when it's really us who has those issues in our own heart. He was what I called projecting onto someone else what was really in himself. He was minimizing David. If we aren't careful, God will bless someone and we'll minimize that blessing or we'll say, oh, I wouldn't want that anyway. Or I, I, can you believe the payment that comes along with what they just bought or whatever? And we minimize what God has blessed somebody else because of our own ego. Or we question their motives. But it's not for us to question their motives. It's us for to love them. God will take care of their hearts. Then we went on the next week and we saw that love that reflected Christ's perfect love. That was, I guess that was last week, wasn't it? And we looked at Jonathan's covenant, Jonathan's love. The Bible said Jonathan loved David as he loved his own soul. We talked about how beautiful that was, how poetic that was, how, how that just rings in your heart when you see that he loved Jonathan as his own soul. But when we dig deeper into that, we see that that was a very costly Love. It was a very sacrificial love. Jonathan was the one who would be next in line to become king after his dad Saul. But God had chosen David. But Jonathan loved David. Jonathan realized this is God's plan. No, I'll never get to be king. I will never have that prestige. I'll never have all that in my life. But I'm going to love David. And he took off his garment and he took off his weapons and he gave them to David symbolically submitting to God's plan and showing his love to David. And we ended the sermon talking about their covenant, but we tied it to Christ's covenant with us, the new covenant. And I'm glad this morning that we live under that unconditional sacrificial love from Christ in the new covenant. Is anybody else glad that we're in the new covenant? I'm glad that I'm not living under the old covenant, the old law, because the Bible said that the law killeth, but the spirit and the grace giveth life. And under that old law, we see how we don't measure up. The old covenant, the old testament, the old law, all that shows us the standard that God has for us, but it shows us how we constantly fall short of that. But over in the new covenant, Christ stepped into the new covenant, became the sacrifice. His covenantal love cost him something. He sacrificed for you and for me. And now we can live under his grace and in his mercy. And his righteousness can become our righteousness. And we can have fellowship with God. The new covenant. And I'm glad that we live life in the new covenant. And the new covenant in Christ brings us life and relationship. So that was the series in a nutshell. You say, Pastor Greg, you could have saved us all a lot of time if you had preached the series that quickly to begin with, right? <laughs> well, one more sermon this morning in the series, Can You Relate? And that is this, Saul's Jealousy. Saul's Jealousy. We've been looking at relational type concepts. And jealousy is an ugly, ugly thing that can rise up in our minds Usually it's an emotional thing. We'll feel it. And that, that's maybe one of the things that makes it easier to identify when we're trying to, to deal with. Because a lot of times you can feel the jealousy. It's over someone's achievements or someone's advantages. One person called jealousy the green-eyed monster. Look at your neighbor and say, get it straight, you green-eyed monster. 
<laughs> Some of you might be green-eyed, so you better not say that if they really are green-eyed. But the green-eyed monster, jealousy. We see today a, a, the picking up from the battlefield where David had killed Goliath. And all the Israelites rallied and they ran out onto the battlefield and they pushed the Philistines out and God gave them a great victory that day. David took Goliath's sword and he cut Goliath's head off and he took his head. And when David was presented to, the, to King Saul, he was holding the head of Goliath. He had, God had shown a great and mighty victory through just a, a little teenager. And Saul was happy. Saul wanted to know, who is this? Man, who is this and what household is he from? And, and he's my main man. He's my right hand man. He just killed the Philistine. He just inspired the troops and he just saved my hide, so to speak. And David was high on Saul's list until they got on the Amtrak train and started heading home. No, they didn't have the Amtrak train back then, but they're on their way home from the battlefield, and Saul had David with him. Saul loving David. Man, he's loving him some David. David took care of things. And they heard some ladies come out rejoicing and dancing and singing, and Saul's pride and ego swelled up. Then, you know, here they come, and they, they are going to, you know, praise me as the king and and we've just had a great battle and they're celebrating me until he tuned in a little bit closer on the radio dial and he heard what they were singing and the ladies were singing this Saul has slain his thousands oh that's good oh yes Saul has slain his thousands and Saul at that point's like sing a little louder you know, sing a little louder, sing a little louder. You know, sing a little louder. Saul has slain his thousands. He didn't like the next line. And David has slain his tens of thousands. You know, you ever heard a, a, a record player? <laughs> so what, what? Can you see his head whip around? He, he's inflated. He's the king. Saul has killed his Thousands, but then when he listens to the next stanza, David has killed his tens of thousands. The green-eyed monster of jealousy rose up in Saul's heart that day. It never left him. The Bible said that this saying displeased Saul. Saul was very angry. They had ascribed to David tens of thousands. They had only ascribed to Saul thousands. And now Saul's insecurity was at an all-time high. You know, one of the roots of jealousy is insecurity. And Saul was already feeling insecurity because he wasn't living right. He wasn't doing right. He wasn't where he should be with God. And sometimes, we're not, if we aren't careful, our insecurity that translates into jealousy has its roots in because we're not doing what we should be doing to begin with. And then we become jealous because God's blessing somebody that is doing what they're supposed to be doing. And his insecurity and his jealousy, it, it, it snowballed as, as emotions will. If we don't keep our emotions in check, they will snowball, won't they? The Bible said we walk by emotions, not by sight, right? <laughs> is that what the scripture says? We walk by emotions, not by sight. 
No. The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. And if we are living our lives through emotions, we're going to be on an emotional roller coaster, and eventually we're going to derail that thing. And all of this snowballed in Saul's mind until finally he said, what more can David now have but the whole kingdom? They've given him, ascribed to him tens of thousands. He's going to get the whole kingdom, and I am done for. And then the Bible said, then Saul eyed David from that day forward. You ever eyed somebody? Ever been eyed by somebody? You ever thought, why are they looking at me? <laughs> you ever wanted to just say, excuse me? <laughs> why, why are you looking at me? What do you want to? But if we aren't careful, that old green-eyed monster of jealousy can cause us to start eyeing other people. A competitor, somebody we see on the workplace that we think, ooh, they might be in line for that promotion over me. I better watch them. I better eye them. I better, you know, that green-eyed monster. And David was eyed by Saul from that day forward. Saul was not in a good place. The Spirit of God had already departed from Saul. And in fact, David had already been playing his harp. You know, that instrument that Quincy was supposed to play for us. He'd already been playing that for, for Saul. And Saul, evidently such an egomaniac or maybe so out of it at times, he didn't even realize that was the same guy that was out on the battlefield that killed Goliath. But nevertheless, they get back home and Saul's jealousy is in full throttle and Saul goes into one of these insanity fits where the evil spirit is, is tormenting him and what an awful place to be in if you've ever experienced the spirit of God and then you're in a place where you can't experience the spirit of God isn't that an awful feeling if you ever felt dry in your soul and say oh Lord where are you and and Saul was tormented Saul had had rebelled against God and wasn't trying to fix anything but they called David in to play that harp again that lyre for Saul and it soothed him when David would do that. But Saul looks over and he realized this is David. He's the one I've been eyeing. He's the one I've been keeping an eye on. He's the one that killed Goliath. He's the one that I'm afraid is going to take my kingdom. And the Bible said he took a spear and he hurled it at David. Now, if I were David, I don't think I'd play anymore. <laughs> I think I'd be done. Like if I was singing this morning, Victory in Jesus, and one of you threw a spear at me, I'd probably say, I don't think I'm going to sing anymore. I think I'm finished with that. I think I'm done. Close my hymn book, go on on. But he threw that spear and tried to kill David. And from that day forward, it was on. First Samuel, we'll put it on the screen. First Samuel 18 and 12. Now David, or excuse me, now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David but had departed from Saul. Well, sobering thought to all of us this morning, but we need to keep our hearts and lives right with God, right? And we not need to be jealous of somebody else who's living for God and they're under the blessings and the favor of God. We need to purify ourselves through the blood of Christ. We need to live holy and righteous lives and do all we can to keep our emotions and our actions and our attitudes in check so that we can be blessed of God, not become envious or jealous because someone else is where 
they should be. Let them inspire us, but not become jealous of them. Let's look at some practical questions this morning. I have three, three of them, three practical questions for us to consider this morning. What insecurity in your life is causing jealousy? I want you to prayerfully think about that question. Maybe write it down. Maybe think about it. What insecurity in your own life is causing jealousy? All right, number two. Number two. What jealousy in your life is attempting, now this is going to be a little strong. What jealousy in your life is attempting to murder someone? You say, Pastor Greg, I'm not going to murder anybody. I know you're not. I'm not. I know you're not going to murder anybody. But you know what Jesus said? If we have hatred in our hearts towards someone, that we have in our hearts committed murder towards them. You know, you can get in all those beatitudes, and well, it gets pretty deep. But basically, those attitudes and those emotions are just as bad as acting out in the sense of the sin part. Now, the consequence is worse if you act out on it. But the sin part, if I have hatred towards someone, if I have jealousy towards someone, it is, it is almost like a form of murder in my heart and in my mind that I don't want, I want to kill whatever good is happening in them. Or I don't want to be around them. Or I want to ruin their reputation. Or I don't want to have the friendship of theirs. I'm killing something. I'm murdering something. What jealousy in my life is causing a hatred or, or even a deeper murder as Christ would even put it? Well, that's tough. That's tough medicine. But, you know, for years and years in the church of God, we preached on what we ate and what we drank and how we dressed. And we never preached on the inside. Am I all right this morning? The attitudes. The attitudes. And Jesus, his most famous sermon was the Beatitudes. And so what jealousy in our life is a, attempting to murder someone? That jealousy can get so bad that we can end up acting like someone who we really aren't. We've let that get out of check in our lives. Third question. Third question. You say, Pastor Greg, you are a barrel of fun right now. Here, here it is. <laughs> Third question. Who are the innocent bystanders? getting hurt because of your jealousy. That's a tough one, isn't it? I didn't know I could whistle that good. Who are the innocent bystanders getting hurt because of your jealousy? My attitudes, my attitudes that influence my actions and reactions are having an effect on those who are within the sphere of my influence. If I were to become a jealous preacher, a jealous pastor, and I started looking at the other churches in the area or the other churches in the denomination, and I started having jealousy about they had that blessing or they had that number or they had, don't you think that would affect how I would minister to you? And it wouldn't be in a good way, would it? So what innocent bystanders are getting hurt by our jealousy? What we need to do is replace our jealousy by living after David's example, his heart of humility, his heart of servanthood. He stood by Saul and Jonathan to the very end, and the Bible said when Saul and Jonathan died on the battlefield, David wept and cried. That's the kind of heart that we need to have in our lives. But even greater than that, replace our jealousy with the example of Jesus Christ. I have a segue verse to take us into the last part of our 
sermon. 1 Samuel 18, 28 through 30. And then we'll go into looking at Jesus' example. Thus Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David and that Michal, Saul's daughter, loved David. And Saul was still more afraid of David. So Saul became David's enemy continually. Verse 30, then the princes of the Philistines went out to war. And so it was whenever they went out that David behaved more wisely than all the servants of Saul so that his name became highly esteemed. David knew that Saul hated him. David knew that Saul was jealous of him. David knew that he was legitimately anointed by the prophet and by God to be where Saul was at in his place. Yet, with all of that, the temptation on this side and that side, he could have got inflated of, I should be in Saul's place. He could have gotten deflated and saying, Saul's trying to kill me. But he behaved more wisely than all the other servants. That's the example of how we should be in our lives. That's David's example to us against jealousy, but also if there are times when people are jealous towards us. Behave more wisely. The Bible says in James, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God. He'll give it liberally. When we're in these situations, when we're dealing with jealousy, whether it's ours that we need to get rid of or if it's coming against us, God will give us wisdom to live through that. But Jesus, let me segue into our final part here. Jesus experienced all of this. And he can help us with all of this. The very reason, really, that Jesus was crucified was because of jealousy. I go back to a little story that maybe you've heard of a man named Lazarus, who was Jesus' friend. That's where we get my favorite scripture, Jesus wept. The only one I have memorized, Jesus wept. But Lazarus died. He was in the grave for four days, right? And they called for Jesus. Jesus got there. They thought he was late. Where have you been? If you had been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. And Jesus wept. And he said, where is he? Take me to the, to the tomb. Roll away the stone. And Jesus cried, Lazarus, come forth. And he who was dead came alive again. He came out. Lazarus all bound up in his mummy clothes and walked out alive. And everybody rejoiced, and all the people, and, and they had seen Jesus do all of these miracles, but this was the icing on the cake, not necessarily in a good way. The religious leaders, the chief priests, the Pharisees, and all of the Sanhedrin people who had their own religious power and their own religious uh, positions, and, and they were getting their provisions from being in those places and all of that stuff. They said, they had a little special meeting. They said, listen, this is getting serious. Jesus has healed the sick. He's fed the, the multitudes. He's got a great following. And now in this little place called Bethany, he has raised Lazarus from the dead. We better do something. They were jealous. They were jealous. Instead of them looking and realizing Messiah is here, let us go and worship him. They wanted to hold on to their money and their power and their prestige. And right there, the Messiah, the Son of God was there. And instead of embracing him, they embraced the temporary. And through their jealousy, they plotted to kill Jesus. 
They had him taken before Pilate. Look with me. Mark 15, 10 says, For he, for Pilate, knew that the chief priest had handed Jesus over because of envy. They were jealous of Jesus. If you jump down to Mark 15, 14, Pilate said to them, What evil has Jesus done? But they cried out all the more, Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. He was crucified because of their jealousy and their envy. They didn't want to lose their position. They didn't want to lose their popularity. They didn't want to lose their provision. And so they handed over Jesus instead of those things. Look at 15. So Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, Pilate had a little political interest too. Pilate was playing the political game too. He didn't do the right thing either. He released Barabbas, a murderer, Barabbas to them. And he delivered Jesus after he beat him, scourged him to be crucified. They handed over Jesus. And I say to us this morning to not hand over Jesus from our lives. Don't let our position in this world, our temporary position in this world, cause us to push Christ out of our lives. Don't let the popularity of the temporary cause us to push Christ out of our lives. Don't let the provision, the, the riches of this world that are temporary and one day will be gone and burnt to ashes push Christ out of our lives. Don't let anything push Christ out of our lives. They handed Jesus over. So they could hold on to all of those things in their jealousy. This morning I tell us if there is anything that is in our lives. Whether it's jealousy or any attitude of trying to hold on to anything that is temporary. This morning I want us to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal that to us. And to show us a way to hold on and cling to Christ. Amen. Cling to Christ. What are those things in this life that we're trying to just preserve and hold on to so much, yet Christ is saying, you need me. You need eternal life. You need me. Receive his salvation and receive his help. Amen. Receive his salvation and receive his help. And let go of these attitudes. Let go of these temporal things. Don't hand Jesus over for those things. Put those things under the blood and grab a hold of Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me this morning? Jealousy was the main theme this morning. So let me say it this way, but you can put any number of things in this blank. Replace jealousy in your life with the contentment that only Christ can bring. Do you know that I can have thousands upon thousands of friends and still feel lonely. You know I can have billions and billions of dollars. And still feel poor. True contentment. Is only found. Through Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads? Can we pray this morning. Lord we thank you for your word. Lord as we have seen these examples. Throughout the life of. The early life of David in this series. These relational concepts. That we have explored together. Each week, God, you know we have endeavored to end each sermon with an example 
of Jesus Christ. And Lord, today we are reminded of how much we need Jesus Christ. We see a terrible example, Lord, today as we ended this sermon of how those who should have embraced him, those who should have found the contentment in Christ, instead handed him over and they held on to their position. They held on to their provision. They held on to their power, but they lost their eternal souls. So Lord, this morning, God, we don't want to do that. God, we want to replace anything and everything that is in our lives with the contentment that only comes through a relationship with you. So Holy Spirit, I ask you to help us this morning. Holy Spirit, would you get involved in this altar time today as we stand before you, as we stand in your presence, as we pray. Holy Spirit, help us to examine our hearts. Holy Spirit, reveal to us any areas of our lives that we need to hand over to you and replace them with relationship with Jesus Christ. Draw us closer to you, Lord. Help us to control our emotions. Help us to control our attitudes. Help us control our actions. Help us to control things like jealousy and envy. And let us focus on the contentment of the Christ-filled relationship in our hearts and in our lives. Draw us close to you. Holy Spirit, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen.